when you mix color with a brush or a stick or whatever in a cup, you can do it in a way where that same green might be in seven paintings, but because you dull it with a purple or you dull it with a blue or a white or a gray or something, you can land in a spot where it doesn't look like the same green. Whereas with spray paint, sometimes that's why I have 50 cans of spray paint and every day I wish I had a hundred. And if I had a hundred, I'm probably sure I wish I had 200 because if you're trying to create variation, there's a lot of kind of formal ways that I'm trying to uh, have these land in different places so that there is variation in the hopes that somebody can experience a group of 40 paintings and find in a lot of ways, different experiences. I guess I'm much more interested in people having their own taste being important rather than me guiding them through a series of blah, blah, blah. I want them to be like, dang, I just dig that peach pink one, you know? Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 281st episode, I'm super excited to be joined once again by Michael Willie, who makes his return to the podcast to talk all about his paintings in the show Waiting Rainbows that officially opens the Studio Break Gallery this Saturday, September 10th from 5 to 8 p.m. You don't want to miss it. Come check it out. See the work in person. He's an abstract painter who's super colorful, as you can see, with dense layers that kind of push and pull in space. They really invite viewers in to kind of investigate kind of the processes, the layering, the way color shifts as you move around it or down the surface through spray paint or through layered paint. Once again, really exciting to see in person. You can also check them out online at michaelwilly.com. And of course, be sure to follow on Instagram at michaelwilly22. If you're listening for the first time, Studio Break is a podcast and gallery that features a variety of different artists. They come on and share their work or exhibit their work. We talk all about it in these podcasts, breaking down all sorts of things about process and research and childhood memories and all sorts of great stuff. It's great for studio listening, a great studio companion. So please take a look at the archive. We've got a ton of artists, 12 seasons up there. Each of those posts have images of the artist's artwork and you can check out links to their websites or you know just listen to the podcast there or you can easily subscribe on spotify and apple of course you can follow us on social media so be sure to like our facebook page you can find us on twitter at studio break and of course be sure to say hello and follow us on instagram at studio underscore break it's also a great way to stay informed about any upcoming opportunities to exhibit or to partake in the podcast so once again be sure to follow all right, that's plenty of announcements. Let's dive right into this interview with Michael Willie. Stay tuned. Welcome, Mike Willie, to Studio Break. It's nice to have you back. Again, you're in the, the Studio Break gallery. I think the last time we talked was November of 21, where I came to your studio, so we brought all these paintings here. You're kicking off uh, Studio Break Gallery, so super excited to have you here. Well, thanks, Dave. I'm jacked up to be here as well, not only to be a part of the podcast, but to do it in the company of 40 paintings here that I've been working on over the last, gosh, probably year and a half. So it's cool to see them in way better light than what I have in my studio. Right on, right on. Well, 
again, it'll be great to kind of see how everything's kind of developed since then. As we were just reminiscing about Pearl Jam and me being 16 years old again. I don't know if I've ever even told that story. I think the first time that I met you was at like a my brother having friends over kind of a thing. So, And Dave pulled out his portfolio of comic book drawings <laughs> from underneath his bed at his mother's urging to show Mike he's an art major. Yes. And uh, we've been connected ever since. Yeah, they still, they still love you. They're always very <laughs> like, wow, what's he been up to? He's so well-traveled. He does all this great stuff. Um, but no, no, again, it's great to have you. And again, I think that's one of the things that makes me start thinking about the evolution of different studio practices. As you know, we've talked about this a little bit, but I started doing music and, you know, during the pandemic, you're making videos. There's all these different kind of facets that get added to your studio practice. And kind of like I've been talking to people about this, you know, new space. It's like I kind of started backwards, but excited to have that realization, you know, to be able to invite people here and share work of people that you know. And I like the idea too of it kind of continuing throughout my life and to see where they're at when you come back and do it again and who knows how long or, you know, see where everybody's at. So again, it's very cool. Well, it feels like you're kind of living a lot of people's pipe dream. There's a lot of people that are like, you know, I'd love to start a gallery. And then it, <laughs> myself included, like I've, I've eyeballed my own studio space several times and thought, you know, if I just from the door over here was a gallery and a bathroom, and then <laughs> on the other side would be where I work. And I've never, and I've been, and I just celebrated, I want to say a, maybe five weeks ago, I just celebrated my 10 year anniversary in my studio. Clearly it's still just a studio, <laughs> not a gallery. But when I first moved in there and many, many times in between, I thought to myself, I should do something like this. So it's sweet to see somebody having the idea and then having the ability to make it happen and, and to air condition it nonetheless, you know? Yeah. Again, it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be great to continue to do this. So. Yeah, I don't know. My wife is kind of a precious person, right? Who does this? That's what Dave Linaway does, ladies and gentlemen. Again, this might be this might be cut out because I feel very <laughs> self-conscious, but I don't know who who does this. It's kind of a weird thing, but it's also been fun to talk to artists and share it. And yeah, again, like I said, it'll be fun to kind of bring people out here. For sure. Obviously, we got all these lovely paintings to talk about. We talked about them a little bit in November, and I'm sure some of that will kind of you know carry over for those that didn't listen to that episode you can go back and check it out from November last year but you know maybe just break down in a nutshell how how these kind of developed a little bit I, I believe we talked a little bit about this developed during the pandemic in terms of some of these compositions that eventually evolved into these paintings as an artist I'm always somebody that is trying to develop a strategy to make work that I end up kind of surprising myself so I almost have to trick myself into making progress so whether I'm taping over something and then, you know, cutting shapes out and then moving those shapes to another surface unrelated to the original cut. And then I'll use various types of paint, whether it's spray paint or mixing the paint with pigment on my own or just using store-bought colors, mixing those together and all those variations in between. You know, I'm layering paint on top of each other to the point where I'm hoping that when one looks at the paintings, and especially when you see 40 of them, if my voice trails off, it probably means I'm <laughs> turning my head to look at a, uh, three walls of paintings here. But there's a lot of detail where you can't exactly tell how the paintings were made unless you're kind of standing in my studio saying, oh, I see that jar of pigment and I see that color of pigment here in that particular painting that I kind of scrub down to kind of reveal some of that underneath. But in terms of imagery, 
Something, as Dave pointed out, early in the pandemic, I found myself in lots and lots of Zoom meetings. What started was if I'm going to have a meeting with somebody, then I would write their name and I would just kind of develop my own kind of homemade, hand-constructed, uh, like typographic alphabets. So if I was, you know, having a meeting with Dave Lenaway, then I'd be like, ooh, Lenaway's eight letters, Dave's four letters, therefore if I stack Dave on top of L-I-N-N and underneath that would be E-W-E-H. And I did that in like an aspect ratio of like, uh, you know, three by four, <laughs> three wide by four tall. Then what I might do in a painting is actually like cover the whole thing in blue and write Dave across the top, L-I-N-N across the middle, E-W-E-H across the bottom, and then get my X-Acto blade out and start. And I would do that in a very particular kind of font that I kind of just kind of dream up, nothing crazy or anything, but it would start with something on paper and then I would find myself kind of drawing it out, knowing that unless you're you know, some sort of a unique savant, you're probably not gonna be able to see what any of these things say. Sure. And then I find myself listening on Audible while I paint, I listen to books all the time. And there was one book in particular called uh, Reservation Restless by Jim Christophic, who's like, I believe he's like a high school teacher in Taos, New Mexico. But he's a kid who grew up on the Navajo reservation and he's kind of talking about his experience there. And then the part two of his kind of, uh, you know, book series, I guess. I don't even think it's a series, but Navajos Wear Nikes was the first one and the next one was uh, Reservation Restless. And it kind of talks about what his life is like as a, let's call it a 35-year-old guy. I title all these paintings Waiting Rainbows because there's a particular segment of the book where he's kind of, I don't think I'm using it exactly the way he did, but I'm thinking of these as like these experiences that are out there almost waiting for you, but you have to make certain decisions, so to speak, to kind of get there. And they become personal to you. If you experience something, that's something you are involved in as, you know, these things out in the woods may be happening on their own, but if you don't experience them, they're just sitting there waiting. Mm -hmm. So when I'm thinking of these paintings, these experiences, I'm not necessarily thinking about, you know, this book, but as I'm listening to the book, passages go by and I might write some of that down on top of a painting on top of the blue tape. And then before you know it, if I have 30 paintings and I'm working on at a time, you know, I'll write something and I just start thinking about it while I'm writing and then I'm cutting shapes out. And before you know it, I'm done with one surface mm -hmm. and then I move on to another one and I hear another phrase or I'll, you know, hear another you know, set of words that I'll try to put down into there. And this is my kind of mentality as an artist. I'm not really thinking about these as uh, being content based, if you will. Mm -hmm. I really am just thinking of ways where I can convince myself to kind of, like I said before, trick myself into making some sort of progress. Mm -hmm. And I'm, and I'm always trying to cut positive shapes, negative shapes. And then when I cover that surface after layer one, layer two, layer three, layer four, by the time I go to put paint on it, and I say this all the time, but by the time I go to put paint on it, I kind of forget what's underneath it. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, when I peel the tape, a new surface reveals itself that I would never have probably dreamed up on my own. So the paintings become a series of stacking moves that by the time, whether they land in balance, so to speak, if you think about like stacking boxes, 
if they land in balance, they might land in a place where I might come up with unique color compositions, color relationships, line to shape relationships, texture, paint surface variations, and they might land somewhere that feels like a good stopping point to explore as a visual item, as a painting more so than a spot in the middle of a process. Mm -hmm. When they get completed, they just kind of land in a position where uh, it just feels like, oh my gosh, like I'm looking at this purple and green one right behind your, your right purple shoulder. And it just strikes me as I don't think I've ever made a painting that looks like that before, nor have I ever used those colors before in this particular way. So it felt like it was a good landing spot while the one to the right of it, that kind of neutral kind of gray green with those various pinks over the top, like that is a significantly more kind of color and compositional arrangement. There's just a lot more complexity where, uh, the one on the left is simpler. So they can land in any of those spots really in between as long as they land somewhere that feels like a new, for me anyway, a new organization has been achieved. Yeah, it's interesting to me because you hung the show and I think like an hour, which again seems like... It's a record. It's, uh, granted, it's the first show, but yeah. It's it's insane to me. But, but it's interesting because it brings up like certain ideas of improvisation and the way yeah. that you will do something like that. So to hear you kind of talk about the process of it is really interesting because, again, it strikes me that it's, again, very particular. There's a sense of, like, real purpose for everything that you do, even just even in the way that you hung this, too. Yeah. Um, but that becomes really interesting because it kind of, you know, explores that idea of, you know, maybe thinking about, like, design, thinking about color choices, thinking about shapes. But then there's also that that reveal that happens when you pull up a layer and then you respond to it. That's, that's so improvisational, much like a jazz player. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that you're a jazz man. I um, like jazz. Yeah. But, (laughs) but you know, it strikes me that that's an interesting kind of duality. And I'm I'm sure like every artist has various levels of improvisation as well as planning that go into their work. But how, how do you find a way to kind of break that up then a little bit? Is it like, do you have to kind of just sometimes just totally, shift a painting if it's going one way where you're you know because you're talking about trying to also feel like you're you're achieving something different right so that they're not the same thing which is interesting because again every artist has like this very narrow view of what that is like for the artist it seems like huge but for somebody looking at it they might be like oh wow it's a very narrow kind of range but is that where like all the other materials come into play to kind of be able to explore that improvisation where you could be like let's see what what happens when I do this yeah for sure I mean because you know if you look closely I'm not trying to minimize this but if you look closely like there's a lot of repeated shapes that kind of become I don't know for lack of a better word some sort of a vocabulary or a syntax of what the paintings are which is cool like it's perfectly fine But I think what happens when I really devote time, concentrated time in the studio is new to me anyway, new processes kind of reveal themselves. So over the last four or five, six months, so the last time we talked, I think one or two times had I, you know, let's say on my surface covered in blue tape, peel surfaces off. And in the upper right-hand corner, I might fade white spray paint from upper right towards lower left. And then on the bottom left, 
moving towards the upper right, I might spray paint green and like a good fade in your haircut or something, you might see this kind of beautiful transition back and forth that looks pretty simple until you peel all the tape off to realize it reveals more complexity. So now when you look around the room, you know, there's some of the paintings that don't have any kind of transitions like that, these fades that I'll just kind of cut like a haircut. Sure. And then like that purple one in green over there that I'm talking about goes from purple on the left to whitish purple on the right. And I can blend those together to make that change. So, and then there's other moments where like, you know, this kind of orangey turquoise there, I realize that if I'm putting white pigment into paint, like dry pigment into paint, and I don't really mix it all that well, then it comes down as like that kind of, you know, turquoisey kind of color, um, teal, whatever. And then if I sand it down or scrub it in three or four different methods that I would use, you land in a position where, hey, that white reveals itself and it starts to look a little bit more like a, a night sky or something like that. But when the night sky is structured almost like drawings on a blueprint mm -hmm. or some sort of a, you know, like back when we were kids or something, if we were going to make like a model car and all the little pieces are attached to like a sheet, if you will. And if you hold up that sheet, they become all these things held together by plastic uh, stripes, if you will, lines holding them together so they fit in the box better they start to kind of look a little bit like that. Mm -hmm. So there's like three, four, five different ways. And when you're working with spray paint, you know, thick paint, store-bought paint, kind of handmade paint using medium and all sorts of other things, you get a variety of, so it really kind of becomes some of those combinations. You know? Sure. Well, just randomly, what, what's something that people wouldn't know uh, about, about the process? I mean, again, not to sound weird, you know, you think about the catalog of your work, you know, I would imagine there's, it's very process oriented and it jumps from whatever the stimuli is. That could be looking at letter forms, that could be looking at, I think, bridges. I think we might have even talked about this a little bit last time. But is there anything that, like, people just wouldn't think of or that nobody asks you about your paintings that you've always want? Sounds weird, but I mean, like, I always find that interesting because you probably get asked the same kind of questions sometimes relative to, like, hey, where's your color come from? That's amazing. Well, I'll tell you one thing that's kind of to me is kind of interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm moving my head around here and I think there are only two paintings in this show where I actually used a brush. <laughs> so that's something sure. that, so when people historically think about painting, they naturally think that the paint application is with a brush. Well, you wear your beret, <laughs> you've got like a yeah. espresso going and that's right. You know, you just, kind of that's right <laughs> fiddle with your paintbrush that's right um, that's right yeah okay well that's interesting I mean again and that's squeegeeing right like I think is that where it kind of started originally back in graduate school where you would like squeegee paint or you know drag paint or tape things off I think it was after it was okay. after grad school maybe the first year after but I don't know if I squeegee probably was three four years later okay I w I'd say the year after or two years after grad school probably about the time I moved to Bloomington normal mm -hmm. was when I think um, I decided I, I can't remember where but somebody had like a 400 grit piece of sandpaper and I just decided to like scrub down the surface 
And then I put like gel medium or something over the top of it and realized, Oh, wait a minute. Like, I don't think at the time I realized that was going to play as significant a role in how I make paintings, but it really, it, it, it seemed to at the time, I, I don't know how much all that plays a role right now. Because back then it was kind of like I had this one thing Mm -hmm. that I would do and then it turned into something that I did then for four, five, six, seven, whatever, 10 years. And then it, then it kind of morphed out into a lot of other things that we've been talking about so far. Yeah. I mean, again, it's really interesting as I say often, apparently, you know, when you think about somebody's career, their career making work and, and everything like things evolve, they come back around like, are there things that you can still think about that are relevant or that have, sh- I guess, maybe shifted in different ways? You know, because, like, again, we talked very early on about, like, you know, the idea of using photo references because that's something that I'm very about. But I'm also very stuck recently in this specific format. And I think that's something that having that kind of, like, framework for you makes it very interesting. So, I mean, maybe it could be something like the format that you're using that, that kind of comes back around, you know, because I, I think there's bodies work that have, have a like a square format versus these are all vertical 12 by 16, I believe. I don't know. I, I... Well, I mean, <clears throat> I guess simple things that have stuck with me as an interest in how to push paint around, how to move material. I'm an abstract painter. I've kind of always been, even though I might use some sort of a source, mm-hmm. but I've never thought of myself as anything but an abstract painter. I've always had an interest in tricking is the wrong word, but I love the idea that painting historically always thinks about tricking somebody for those who are interested in that, that concept of tricking or Trump lawyer or something like that. Maybe we all do it a little bit differently, but in my particular case, just the layering that I do at first glance, I think somebody's going to have a different experience by the time they look at it a third or fourth time. Mm-hmm. And, and then all of a sudden, is this in front of that? Is that in front of this? Was it green on top of black or black on top of green? Or has Mike done something? Is that a window or is that a shape? Like, am I looking through something or am I looking at something? So there, there are layers and layers in each painting, but then hopefully there are, layers of how we perceive that may in fact kind of reveal order, meaning like an order of operations that I go through to find resolution. Some of them might be more clear cut than others, but Mm -hmm. then that, then you look at the painting right next to it. And I think that's one of the upsides of these paintings being pretty closely hung in proximity to one another Mm -hmm. is you may not realize if that piece of tape hasn't been peeled for three layers Mm -hmm. or did I peel each layer off uniformly and then start over with another layer and then start over with another layer? Or might I leave three or four pieces of tape for five layers of process and then I peel it off, which makes you say, wait a minute, uh, that, that, that shape feels like maybe it's supposed to be behind but it kind of feels like it's on top now and then I have to get in there and really investigate kind of what's happening so it's not outwardly trying to trick anybody Mm -hmm. but I'm trying to 
you know, I try to be really humble about these things. I'm trying to create some sort of a visual experience for somebody to engage in Mm -hmm. that is interesting enough for them to stick around. Sure. And they might be simple in they're just a a simple vocabulary of shapes. They're all the same shape. They're Mm -hmm. all the same size. And pretty much everything I've made for the last seven or eight years has been 16 tall by 12 wide. So when you install 40 of them in a space like this, you, you can see those similarities yet the differences within the similarities, Mm -hmm. but I'm just trying to create a, a complex visual experience for an audience member, assuming they want to look at them, that there's something there for them to play with. Well, and you know, you kind of talked about the layering obviously that goes involved. Some of them are more simple in terms of the way that they have more separation of shapes maybe versus some that are kind of like spray painted and like a slow fade or gradient, if you will. Yeah. Some of them start to kind of feel like places. And again, maybe that that's kind of like my own, you know, like I, I'm very concerned about place and landscape and thinking about my relationship to it. And so for me, as I'm looking at them, thinking about that idea of this space that you want where some shapes are popping out, you can see all this layering that starts to kind of suggest like a space. Are there things that you're pulling from in terms of like things that are like emotive things? I say that because like somebody might like be like, oh, right, I am inspired by jazz or whatever. I go through walks and, you know, like I pull in the sounds of the forest and that's the way that I choose these colors. I don't get the impression that you're kind of doing that. So like, is there like a way that you're kind of in reinforcing the ideas of your colors to be, you know, you, you think like, I want to have this type of feeling, or is it literally just like, you know, I've been using this green too much. I'm switching over to what's the most opposite thing, a green, how do I dirty this thing up? And it, it's like that formal thing instead of it being something that's like, Oh, right. I'm trying to have this ethereal or I don't know, just some sort of sort of relationship where you're thinking about a space. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know uh, if that's a good question. Again, I feel well, very, very rusty at this, uh, talking to people the short answer is i don't think i'm trying to do any of that right um it's probably closer to the hey i've used that green four or five times (laughs) i mean my studio if you remember you know we're sitting at a table that's probably what two and a half feet by five feet or six feet and you know i have a tabletop like this that you know half of it is covered in spray paint cans but that are all used pretty much all the time. So let's call that 75 spray paint cans. Mm -hmm. And when I do that, it still sometimes feels like crap. Mm -hmm. I only have seven greens. (laughs) And, and when you look at 40 paintings, you're like, well, there's that green three times, you know? And so I, I try to, you know, with, whereas with, when you mix color with a brush or a stick or whatever, uh, in a cup, you can do it in a way where that same green might be in seven paintings, but because you dull it with a purple or you dull it with a blue or a white or a gray or something, you can land in a spot where it doesn't look like the same green. Mm-hmm. Whereas with spray paint, sometimes that's why I have 50 cans of spray paint and every day I wish I had a hundred. Mm-hmm. And if I had a hundred, I'm probably sure I wish I had 200 because if you're trying to create variation, there's a lot of kind of formal ways that I'm trying to uh, have these land in different places mm-hmm. so that there is variation in the hopes that somebody can experience a group of 40 paintings and find in a lot of ways 
different experiences. I, I guess I'm much more interested in people having their own taste being important rather sure. than me guiding them through a series of blah, blah, blah. Sure. I want them to be like, dang, I just dig that peach pink one, you know? Sure. To me, again, it's interesting because they almost have like this signage quality. Mm -hmm. You know, you think of like bright, intense, poppy kind of colors. And I think one of the things that I, I don't know if we've ever even talked about this, but I just remember, you know, traveling after graduate school, doing residencies, and you'd see all these really old billboards that are kind of like worn away at yeah. various states. And there's that kind of quality to it sure. too. I mean, I don't think these are very cynical paintings. I, I it's hope hard not. to say that when I'm talking about something that's just so, you know, like, I mean, it's just, it's a painting, it's a design, it's, you know, for, it's got formal qualities. So I don't know if that necessarily makes sense yeah. for saying that. But like, for me, I don't get yeah. that impression, but I still think about it in terms of like a history by seeing those layers, sure. you know, like, sure. like, again, there is something that's maybe faded. There's something that's a little worn versus yeah. those new kind of things. It's interesting that, you know, the next show you're going to have you know, he and I work very differently from one another. Oh yeah. And whereas in some cases one might use the word haunting maybe sure. as it pertains to Bill's work. And we are talking about Bill Conger. He'll be showing uh, October 15th. So again, we'll probably, yeah, it's going to be great. Probably have a very specific uh, date plugged at the end of this, but again, October 15th. So totally interesting to think about that too. Well, like yeah, like, saying. like they're the, totally if you, different sensibility. Absolutely. So if you were like from a 40,000 foot view, like I would say if, if you would, you know, and, and Bill makes a lot of different types of work, but I mean the, the particular set of work I'm thinking of in my head, a word like haunting or something might be a word that could have been used to describe Bill's work at one point or another. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think if somebody were to look at this body of work, haunting would not be in the top 300 words to use to describe. <laughs> sure. So these are going to be a little bit more joyous. They're going to be optimistic. And I'm not saying Bill's isn't optimistic or sure, isn't sure. joyous at all. I'm just pointing out that if somebody were to stand in here, I'd like to think these are going to be more affirmations of, dare I call it like a megaphone of positivity of some sure. sort. I don't believe there's any sort of embedded cultural critique sure. in, in these at all, really. So, and, and, and I'm not all that fired up about, as a maker, as a viewer, I might be a little different, but as a maker, I, I kind of love just that these are simple, handmade images that I work my fingers to the bone in making, and this is kind of where they land. And, and, and I'm cool with that. I'm cool kind of landing in that spot, even though I feel like in a sense, we're kind of a part of, you know, a broader culture that might be more engaged in something that speaks to our culture a little bit more. I don't, I don't know if my work needs to resonate in there and that, that you, you brought up the term age, like I'm cool with that. I'm okay with that. However, these land out in the world, I'm going to be okay with, because I think that solemn experience of making in the studio, honestly, is probably why I make these. That's it. A lot of the other kind of mechanisms that were kind of taught in grad school or otherwise of indicators of success, like I just, if any of that happens, great. But if it doesn't, I'm completely content satisfying myself and that close group of people that pay attention to my work to kind of see it. And again, I'm saying this 
in a pretty chill kind of relaxed sure. environment. I'm not trying to throw the gauntlet on anybody here, you know? Well, and that's also something that makes it very accessible, you know, and it certainly like a, a theme that people talk about is the viewer and their work and how important that is, how you leave room for them. And I think ultimately, like, again, everybody kind of has to make a choice of how important, you know, a content will be versus something that's just a, an experience or, you know, just a pure visual experience versus one that you like walk up on versus, you know, one that you walk around or, you know, yeah. the one that's optical. But for me, like, that's one of the things that's exciting. You know, I like the idea of things that are repurposed or old. And certainly mm -hmm. in my work, again, this this frickin' garage gallery again, yeah. you know, Studio Break Gallery is, you know, a, you know, I don't know when this was built, you know. This is built like 40 years ago. I think the house is like 68. So, you know, again, it's interesting to think about this as being something that's been renovated or renewed. And I think that's one of the things that I like about some of those textures that I start seeing. And again, maybe not something that's intended, important, but, you know, I get excited one of the things that I do in class sometimes is I'll have students go and like look for photos that they can kind of abstract from. Go take photos. Yeah. Sometimes it'll be, you know, something that I'm going out there doing at the same time, and I'll just find like an old faded parking spot or mm -hmm. you know something like that that reminds me of this weird surface. Yeah. Or you know, you'll see it in like a faded like gas can that used to be you know, bright red that's all just like sun sunburned or, you know, especially like if you like a good Euro, those typically have, uh, you know, old posters that have been sitting in front of like windows that just get tons of sun that yeah. just beat the hell out yeah. of the, the image. Um, but it, it kind of, again, talks about the sense of history to me or makes me think about that relative to the color and the layers. And, that's you cool. know, again, it, it's, it's something that, again, keeps you looking and, I, you know, talked about this recently too it's really awesome to kind of see these you know outside of you know it's cool to see them in the studio but it's also cool to bring them in this this context but yeah. i love the way that paintings will kind of talk to each other differently like i said to somebody else at my my opening my soft opening like there's a painting that i'm like man i wasn't going to put this in here but like in context of the other ones it really kind of changes yeah you know that that painting it make it elevates it they elevate each other yeah that's cool I think that's something that, you know, clearly is, is, is interesting because as you're pointing out, like, oh, hey, like, you know, certain ones have certain techniques and you start kind of mixing and matching and seeing the way that they all, you know, they're, they're like a family. You yeah. Know? So. And with 40 paintings up on the wall. An extended family. It, it, it's very, yeah. I mean, these are cousins and third cousins and <laughs> someone could probably even marry each other. You know, they're, they're, they're separated <laughs> that way. So, uh, and that's part of it is I really want, if somebody comes to the show, they'll have an opportunity to kind of really investigate. Although there's, I think, 25 more on the wall sitting in my studio. Some of them would be the same ones that we talked about in the podcast last November. There's a lot here, a wall where there's three rows, a wall with two rows of paintings, and a third wall that has one row of paintings. And they're kind of uniquely orchestrated, curated into groupings that both show off variation as well as subtlety. You know, so uh, hope you come out. You yeah. Know, take a look. No, I think it'll be really exciting. How many how many paintings have there been total at this point? And when did you start? I'm, I'm, you I'm, mean of this particular yeah, I'm, series? I'm curious, you know. I don't know. You're kind of like a manufacturing. Like I say this because I think in context of thinking about it from the last podcast, you know, back November, like I, you know, we'll throw on social media and it'll be like, oh, there's there's Michael, Michael Willie popping out more paintings you know yeah um, i don't know if i've got an exact number on it because uh <laughs> i mean I, I try to stay busy as best i can and uh 
you know, I, I've had a lot more free time, you know, since July 1st because I stepped down as our school director. So now I have a little bit more time to myself and to my family and things like that. So now I have kind of like last fall when I was on sabbatical, mm -hmm. um, there's a little bit more uh, time that I have to devote to this practice that I didn't have. So I think a month after our podcast, uh, I went back on a daily basis to my 40 plus hour a week job where my brain has to focus on that kind of work. And then when I stepped down, I therefore then was given that big gap of time to utilize again in the studio. So clearly I made a ton more work this summer and last fall than I did in the, you know, winter slash spring. Sure. But there, as you could see on social media, there was still a lot of new work being made. But if you look at the rate of how much I uh, just, you know, put work out there, it was probably more last spring or last fall, excuse me and more this summer just because I've got more time to focus on that. So it's really exciting to see them all in here. Thanks. Exciting to, to have you here. You know, again, I, if there's anybody that I knew that could just crush it, it's like, Oh, right. He probably made 70 paintings since I talked Ooh. to him last. Well, mm -hmm. I, I know I'm yeah. Again, perception of people, uh, you know, when you're not contacting them every day and you just see them online is always yeah. hilarious to me. Everybody assumes every artist out there is, got every, all their stuff together. It's sure. smooth sailing or at least like, wow, how do they make it look so easy? Yeah. There's some hyperbole but, in that, but yeah, it's, it's a, uh... but as you know, though, I like the idea of it being something that, you know, it's, it's cool to think like, you know, what back in, I don't even remember, was it 2011? I think you're, I don't like, I can't even remember how old that first episode was, but just to kind of think about that as, as you're the person kind of opening up the space officially, again, it means a lot. And you know, it's it's exciting to see how these change. And of course, you know, like I said, when it comes when it comes time again, it'll be exciting to see what comes after that or, or how they evolve. Well, thanks. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here um, and I'm thrilled to have the work here. And I look forward to continue to engage with your 10 plus year audience of Studio Break. And I'm humbled that you've invited me to be, you know, outside of your soft opening, this mm -hmm. is the exhibition that, as you're calling it, is kind of opening yeah, yeah. Uh, Studio Break Gallery. It's 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 a real honor to be here. And, um, you know, whether because your audience is obviously greater than Chicago, but I'm hoping that we can continue to post images of the work so that, so that people can see it throughout the month. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is a cool thing to do where you're you're there's almost like three parts now. There's the artist can exhibit there is the podcast component, but then people that are used to interacting with you or your artists virtually mm -hmm. have the capacity to come and, you know, flesh to flesh, shake a little, shake some hands, yeah, have a hot dog and a cold beer <laughs> and, uh, you know, be here for the opening and, uh, talk to people face to face, which is a cool kind of post pandemic thing that I think we all appreciate more today than we did four years ago. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's one of the things that's so exciting about you know, this, this space. I mean, again, it's going to be cool to have people come out and yeah. have those conversations like you're talking about. I think one of the themes that, you know, when I think of our conversations in the past couple of years, as we've gotten kind of reacquainted is that kind of idea of kind of figuring out your, your, your work-life balance, kind of figuring out what's important. And so for me, again, having people come out, we had other faculty that I, you know, family that came out, 
you know, people that are unexpected drop in and it's, it's kind of rewarding to kind of see everybody kind of see this space and, you know, to get excited and to, to talk about what's going on in their lives. And, you know, I think again, unbeknownst to me, cause I'm not a good planner, you know, I think back about that relative to the history of the podcast. I mean, that's kind of what it is a little bit about, you know, which is why it's cool to be able to go back and like, go like, you know, Hey, I can go back to this old Mike Willie interview. And I'm being very honest, having rebuilt the podcast in the last year, you know, in terms of like the archive, which again, if you haven't checked it out or maybe again, cause I've taken a little bit of a break again, I can't explain, but juggling uh pandemic teaching and artistic practices uh, takes a toll. So that's why I've kind of been radio silent for the summer and adopting that a little bit, but it's really cool to go back through that archive and as I'm connecting and linking up people to social media, it's amazing what people are doing. Yeah. I think it's really cool to think like that idea of like, Oh, who goes on to make art? You know, it's like it eventually goes down to like zero or something like that. There's so many cool artists that are right. doing super cool things, opening up ceramic studios, print studios, you know, they're, they're, you know, going into business for themselves or, you know, they're traveling right. the world painting. And again, it's so cool to kind of think about that for me which is, again, why it's so, so great to have you here. And I know, again, very long-winded, but remind everybody, you know, where can they check out your work? Where are you posting regularly so they can, they can see it? Well, th- thanks for that. MichaelWillie.com is my website. My last name is W-I-L-L-E. I'm on Instagram or Facebook pretty regularly. Um, I think it's MichaelWillie22 is my handle on Instagram. I'm going to have a show later this fall at Ohio Northern University. I think it's in Ada, Ohio. So that'll be a pretty cool, pretty decent sized show. I'm hoping to get some more paintings done before then. And then in late September, I'm going to be working at Omi Graphics out in Steamboat Springs, Colorado for a week, making some works on paper with a master printer that I'm really fired up about. I'm (laughs) Uh, excited to do it because, you know, I, th- I think a lot of printmakers look at my work and think that there's a lot of printmaking elements to it. And they frankly probably have even more tricks. If you look at some of the technical things that I do, I think printmakers are like, so you do this, well, we have this thing called a blend roll and we have this or <laughs> sure. we have that. And they just seem to have a much bigger toolkit than what I have. So I think we're going to have some fun trying some things out there. And then of course that work will go to various works on paper print fairs that Omi graphics goes to around the country where the work could be seen as well. Awesome. Awesome. And so again, just a reminder, again, this is going to be September 10th, five to 8 PM. Uh, you can find information on studiobreak.com. I added a gallery tab, which has got a wonderful image of the uh, the space with the door open. Hopefully, again, it's not going to be too oppressively hot because that would be really cool to have. He's got that. air conditioning though, and yeah. hot dogs <laughs> and beer. As I heard, as I maybe so, even some we'll, thin mints. We'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. We <laughs> we we might cater it from I don't know Guy Fieri. You know. Oh, he, I'm I'm kind of kidding. Uh, kind of, he said. September 10th, come out. You can meet Michael. And, uh, you know, <laughs> talk to him about his paintings and, and check out the space. But, you know, again, hopefully some people can make it out again, five to 8 p.m. Go to studiobreak.com, Look at the gallery page. You'll find a wonderful map. I'm a big Google map person. So very easy to find the space. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you then. So thanks, thanks Dave. Thanks again, Mike, for, All right, man. for doing see this. See everybody.
Thanks again to Michael for joining me. Once again, his exhibition of paintings at the new Studio Break Gallery opens this Saturday, September 10th from 5 to 8 p.m., Waiting Rainbows. Again, you don't want to miss it. It's a really nice show, 40 works in all. Come check it out and say hello. For gallery information and a Google map, head on over to studiobreak.com and click that gallery tab and you'll bring up all that information. You can, of course, check out more of Michael's work by checking out his website, michaelwilly.com. You can find him on Facebook and, of course, follow him on Instagram, michaelwilly22. And while you're making a mental note of that, be sure to write this down. Bill Conger's exhibition, Black, Silver, Gold, opens at Studio Break Gallery October 15th. So that's extremely exciting, and we're super pumped for that one as well. So make a note of that. Of course, if you're not a note taker, why don't you just follow us on social media and that way you're always up to date with what's going on. So be sure to like our Facebook page. You can find us on Twitter at Studio Break and of course on Instagram at Studio underscore Break. Once again, studiobreak.com slash davidlinway.com is where everything is found for Studio Break. Once again, our archive there has tons of different interviews, tons of different artists. Each of those posts there have images of the artist's work as well as links to their websites. And of course, these interviews which you can listen to makes a great studio companion. So check some out you can also subscribe to the podcast on spotify and apple so be sure to do that it's always great to have something new to listen to while you start working away in the studio if you're interested in my work you shouldn't have to look too hard as it's joined with studio break so once again davidlinaway.com brings you to the same place but you can check out some of my paintings there again just had some new ones in an exhibition last month that was a soft opening for Studio Break, but once again, check out those paintings. Of course, you can find me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, at David Linaway. Be sure to say hello, especially if you enjoyed today's episode or a recent episode. It's always nice hearing from listeners. Also making a quick note that music today is provided by Golden Shadow, which features myself on guitar, Ben Cohan on drums, Brett Beery on bass. You can find them in the Instagram world as well. Brett Beery has a number of albums available on Bandcamp. You can find them by checking him out on Instagram at Brett Beery. Ben is a painter as well, so you can find his work at M. Ben Cohan Studio. Check it out there and say hello. You can find our EP, Lawn Dreams, on Bandcamp, so just look for Golden Shadow. And of course, you can find us on Instagram at Golden Shadow Band, so be sure to follow there. All right, with those announcements out of the way, so I want to thank everybody for their patience. Really excited to be getting back to the podcast and kind of balancing out some new ventures. So really excited, hopefully, to bring a lot of artists here and to just have some great conversations, some great shows. So again, thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you real soon.